Dramas Podcast, Adam Shalafu and Gabriel Wilkins. It's the trade deadline special. Gabe, how you doing, brother? Doing good, man. It's always a blessing and pleasure to be on. Appreciate you having me on right now. A lot of big time moves happen today. A lot of winners and losers as always in any trade deadline. But I seen several teams in both the East and West respectively get better, and that's always a great thing to do. Absolutely, man. Well, let's start right in your backyard, and then we'll uh, head over to my backyard. But you're recording from Chicago. I'm recording from the Denver area today. And so the Bulls, I'd call this the biggest splash of the day. And one I didn't necessarily see coming, but the Chicago Bulls make a huge move uh, getting Nikola Vucevic. And so they're grabbing Vuce and Al Farouk Aminu. For two first-round picks, those are uh, both top four protected. And then more of a cap filler in this situation is Otto Porter Jr. Yeah, man. Like, that, that that's a big-time move. Anytime you can add somebody that's putting up 20 and 10 and shooting the three ball at a very high clip, hitting about, like, five to six threes a night, you pair him with Zach Levine, it's a real scary sight over there. And I, what I, one thing I like about it the most is that with the Bulls having some questions at the point guard position right now, you also got a guy that's a playmaker. You totally. Playmaker, proven, proven playmaker who you can put side by side with Levine and at times have him running the show, you know, up high, setting guys up for open looks, whether, at the you know, from beyond the arc or inside off cuts. I, I, I think this is a good move for the Bulls and it's a start in the right direction and it's, Arguably the biggest move that I've seen them make at the trade deadline since Gary Groves' rookie year when they got John Salmons. Mm. So this is a, a big-time pickup for the Bulls, and I think Bulls fans can slowly but surely get back into the team in regards to watching on a nightly basis. They already were proven to be a fun young team to watch with their competitiveness and the fiery nature that Billy Donovan has bought, making sure that guys got to earn their spot mm. and not giving anything to them. But now that you've got this star in the mix next to another all-star, Zach Levine, you know, things can get a little interesting. You know, they win a couple games. You might move your way up from being a play-in team to potentially a five or six seed with a good first-round matchup that comes. And these young guys need that experience. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I, I do want to throw in uh, Wendell Carter, of course, included in that trade as well. So it's Wendell Carter, Otto Porter Jr., those two first-round picks. Uh, but what you were saying about Vucevic as a playmaker uh, that's the first thing I thought about when I was breaking this one down. And yesterday I was on Sean and Maya in the morning uh, with our friend Sean. And I was talking about the Bulls need for a more modern big, you know, Wendell Carter underwhelmed this year. He doesn't have too much range on that jump shot at, at times you saw it, but I still kind of would cringe when he would pull up from three and that wasn't really within his range. And then you bring in a guy who's shooting over 40% from three and who is going to create so much more room for cutters and space the floor so much better for the Chicago Bulls, a guy who's able to pass out of the high post. And I couldn't help but thinking that AK was looking at the way that the Denver Nuggets are built around Nikola Jokic. Now Vucevic isn't a Jokic, but he is maybe a poor man's Jokic in the sense that he is a very good passing center. I'd say 
maybe the second best passing center. It's a very short list up there. You got, you know, Al Horford, Vucevic, Jokic, obviously the the best at the position as far as a passing big man goes, but that's really going to open up that offense and uh, provide them with so much more consistency and stability. And all of a sudden the bulls have two legit all-stars. Two legit all-stars and two playmakers who you can use as a potential selling point to attract other pieces here, be it right. complimentary role players or potential stars, um, depending on the success that you have on the court. My my response to you know, your remarks on Wendell Carter, I thought Wendell Carter was a talented player coming out of Duke University. I still think that he has the potential to develop into a solid player in Orlando. I think being in an environment like this in Chicago where he was – being tutored under Jim Boylan initially his first couple years as a pro, you know, that that was the easiest situ- situation, excuse me, for anybody to be in, be it a 10-year vet or a young guy like Wendell was coming in alongside of Kobe White, you know, followed him. So when I when I look at the whole situation, I, I think Wendell Carter would be fine, but sometimes you just need a different change of scenery and, yeah. and, a, and a landmark destination to really cement your worth and your value in this league. And I think a lot of the fans sometimes were a little impatient with Wendell's growth and development. He, you know, dealt with some injuries and whatnot, but I wish him well. And I I think Orlando got a solid piece back in return for him. I would agree with that. Uh, And Wendell's still very young. Vucevic, one of the best things about this for the Chicago Bulls is the flexibility that it's going to provide them as they look down Uh, At the salary cap, the next few years, this next season, Vucevic is going to make 24 million, which is a bargain for an all-star player. You're usually going to have to play uh, or uh, pay rather closer to 30 or up for a guy who's of this caliber. And then the following year, it's 22 million. And so it's really a bargain price. You're kind of getting a, I wouldn't call him great, but I'd call him, you know, you're getting a B plus a minus talent for C plus B minus money. And so that that's a huge move for the bulls and it still allows them to have the flexibility heading into this next summer to offer somebody who could be that third head of the big three, some serious money. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the one advantage that the bulls do have in this process as you alluded to the cap room, but I mean, you gotta you gotta start somewhere if you're the Chicago Bulls, and it, and to me, this move signals that it's truly the turn of a new era. I think Arturis Karnasovas and Mark Eversley have really laid their blueprint upon this team with the moves that they made today. In addition to you know some other moves, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but if not, you know, like they they also got Troy Brown out of Washington, mm-hmm. a guy that was in need of a of a new destination and a and a and a scenery to really showcase his talent and skill set as a 3 D wing following the Wizards' selection of Denny uh, Avija in the first round of this year's draft, or last year's draft, rather. So, I mean, the, the sky's the limit for this Bulls organization and franchise right now from the outside looking in. And after last night's loss to Cleveland, you kind of had to expect a big-time move of some sorts to come about. Yeah, because that, that's really what it comes down to. They need to separate themselves from the New York Knicks, from the Cleveland Cavaliers, from the kind of gridlock 
right now. The Charlotte Hornets have managed to do just fine so far, be it early without Lonzo Ball. But really after that three seed, uh, Brooklyn Nets currently right now, it is anybody's ball game. The Hornets at 22 and 21 and the Bulls just three games behind at 19 and 24. And that's the difference between the four spot and the 10 spot. And so as the Bulls look to maybe climb up and there's some other teams who got better as well, be it by a trade or being by a coaching change, such as the Celtics and the Hawks, we'll get into some of that, but this is a move that makes it. So the Bulls are their actions say, Hey, we want to win now. And if we can get up to that five four or five matchup, which is in the realm of possibility, then they could potentially be even a second round team. Uh, because at that point, if you're playing a Charlotte, you're playing in New York, you're playing in Atlanta. Uh, I think they'd have a real hard time with Miami, uh, but you're playing a Boston or a Indiana, you know, those are all winnable series. And now the bulls have on paper, just as good a roster as any of those teams kind of in that midsection of the Eastern conference playoff picture. Uh, let's move right down the line here. So this is not necessarily a eyebrow razor, so we don't have to spend as much time on it. But JaVale McGee, a, re- a reunion with the Denver Nuggets. Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, a protected 2023 second round pick through 46 and an unprotected 2027 second round pick. And so kind of a dump, essentially. Uh, Hartenstein wasn't super impressive for the Nuggets and some of those minutes kind of got taken away from him, but uh, the the Denver Nuggets get a champion, NBA champion, a reliable rim protector, and a versatile defender in JaVale. I agree with you on that 100%, Adam. They, they definitely got a versatile rim protector. They definitely got a veteran that's been there, done that, not only at Golden State, but last year with the L.A. Lakers, a guy that's won multiple championships at the highest level. And I think he'll be a very quality backup big in Denver besides Jokic when he needs to get a rest, you know, for five to 10 minute period throughout various stretches of games. I, I, I like what Denver just did overall today. And that was the first move. Of course, I know they made another epic flash move that we likely get into, but it's, it's not really a move that you can complain too much about when you're looking at where Denver is currently in the standings. And with Tim Connolly, the team GM, not being too satisfied and pleased with where they were fresh off of a Western Conference Finals appearance last year. I mean, you, you got to tip your cap to him making a move of this magnitude because it signals that, hey, my guys are no longer babies. It's time to grow up. And, you know, and like one of my homeboys always say to quote the great Rick Flair, in order to beat a man, you got to beat a man. So it, that, that's definitely what the, the Denver Nuggets objective should be moving forward from March onward. And you alluded to it, so we'll jump right into it. Yeah, the big move for the Nuggets today was picking up Aaron Gordon. And honestly, <laughs> I, I don't play a ton of video games anymore, but I messed around during the pandemic. I played a little bit of 2K. I put my GM hat on. And there were multiple times in franchise mode with the Denver Nuggets where I did the same trade because it makes sense. It, it, it makes sense from a fit standpoint. When you look at the way the Denver Nuggets want to play basketball, it, they want to spread the floor. They like to have good passers everywhere. Obviously, Jokic is kind of that primary playmaker. And then after that, it's Jamal Murray. But 
whether it was Gary Harris, who was included in this trade, or Paul Millsap, or Will Barton. They like to have good passing all around the floor. Uh, where they really had a little bit of an issue this season is the fact is Paul Millsap is not as spry as he used to be. I think they had a bit of a weakness at that power forward spot. Now you're adding a supreme athlete who also fits the window for the Denver Nuggets. This guy's 25 years old, going to be 26 in September. And so he fits right alongside Murray, Jokic, MPJ, where this guy's going to be able to thrive in that system long-term. Historically, he's not an elite three-point shooter on his career. He shoots 32.3, but this season he's shooting 37.5. And so you'll be able to still space the floor. He's having a decent enough year uh, with his 14 and a half points per game. But really, this just adds a super exciting athlete, another guy who can pass pretty well. He's having a career-high 4.2 assists. And I think from a pure entertainment value standpoint, it's inevitable. You're going to see some sexy alley-oops, whether they're coming from Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray. And the Nuggets just got their go-dunk-on-somebody's-head player. Not even just a highlight reel player, though. Adam, they got a, a guy that can defend and cover multiple positions. Right. I know a lot of people don't watch the Orlando Magic on a nightly basis, but you can make an argument that Aaron Gordon, when he's really playing at his best, is one of the most versatile defenders in the league. And I think you're going to see a guy that's very hungry after not really having a chance to showcase his full arsenal of talents in Orlando throughout the postseason. You know, he had a couple runs the last two years with the Magic, but they all ended quickly in first-round exits. Mm-hmm. You put him on this team, he's a tremendous third or fourth option depending on any given night. And what I like now is that you provided Denver with versatility. You got Jamal Murray, like you said. You got Nikola Jokic at the five. You got Michael Porter at the, at the three. You got Will at the two. You, you, it, it's so much optionality. Guys that, like you said, are not only just multiple uh, uh, – playmakers, the versatile playmakers, but they're capable of getting their own shot. Right. And that's scary. That's very scary. And, and to me, that was a move that really helped them replace the 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 absence of Jeremy Grant, a piece who they yes. desperately were missing early on in the season. And it showed. And I think they learned their lesson. And getting a guy like Aaron Gordon, he's going to be asked to do a lot of things, but he can, like you say, he can run in transition. He can shoot the three. You can play him in a pick and roll. He's going to defend. They got an all-in-one player with this guy, and they can play at either the three or the four. And who knows, like at times, if you want him to defend the guard, like I said, he can step out and do that too. I really like this move for him, and I think he's been very hungry and, and excited about trying to get the opportunity to play on a contender. And now he's got his wish, and I think he's going to show out. I agree. In another friendly salary cap situation, uh, the Magic really just making things easy for a lot of these teams around the NBA. He's making 18 this year. He's on the books next year for 16. And once again, uh, a pretty reasonable value because I think that realistically he's someone, especially you're paying this guy as he's heading into his uh, prime years in theory. This is a guy who's, I think, worked closer to 20 million as opposed to 16 million. So, This definitely is 
a nice move financially for the Nuggets. Just addresses some weakness. Uh, now, you mentioned Jeremy Grant, and that was a guy who was tasked at guarding guys like Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James last year in the playoffs. Do you think Aaron Gordon, especially with Gary Harris being out in this trade, uh, and it was Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton in two first round picks. Uh, do you think that Aaron Gordon's going to be the guy they put on guys like LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard now? Absolutely. Cause he's the biggest body that they have on the floor. And I also think, but I mean, when anytime you're talking about guys like LeBron and Kawhi, it's always to do it by committee effort. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a team effort, but I do believe that you will see him being individually assigned to those guys. And I, I also believe that you will see him sometimes occasionally stepping out onto a point guard if need be, if he has to check up. Because he's really going to be, in my opinion, a huge safety net for Nikola Jokic, a guy who a lot of these opposing teams like to exploit in the pick and roll and draw that one-on-one matchup with. So I I really, like I said, I like that move a lot for Denver. And I, I think by getting Aaron Gordon in the mix, you've got a guy who is willing to sacrifice and wants to sacrifice in the effort to win. And then the, the one thing I like about it too, Adam, you talk about his contract being, you know, he's making between like 18 to 16 million these last two years on his deal. That helps Denver to keep their window to contend open for at least the next two years. And Gary Harris deal was well over 20 million, if I'm not mistaken. And that was always a deal, in my opinion, when they made it. That at some point, if he wasn't going to be able to stay healthy or take his game up to like an all-star status level, they were always going to have to make that move. So to be able to get a guy like Aaron Gordon, who you, you know you needed a, another wing mm. on, you know, on your front line, that's, that's, a, that's a great pickup. Yeah, and I like, you know, because he's such a versatile forward. He, he can play the three, he can play the four. And the Nuggets are huge now, you yeah. know. Uh, that is a giant team, and it really – no disrespect to Paul Millsap, but he's not Hawks Paul Millsap anymore. This is just such an upgrade as far as you have a bunch of athletic rebounders who can get out and run, and that's what you have to do around Jokic is you have to surround him with guys who can shoot, guys who can run on the fast break, and uh, just a perfect fit. I think that this will actually allow, I think this is going to unlock him. I think we're going to see the best basketball of Aaron Gordon's career because this puts him in a perfect position for his skill set where he's going to be able to succeed. Be able to succeed. And then it, it is, like I said, it's great for Denver because it gives them the opportunity, in my opinion, to truly compete in the West. Right. And they have a lineup now where they can play at least eight to 10 deep if need be, you know, moving meals after the bench. That's not the worst thing to do in the world. You got a vet coming off your bench who's been there and done that battle tested vet at that. I, I really like what they did today. And then Gary Clark is also a tremendous wing piece that they got who can shoot the three and can really defend. And if you want to run in a small ball lineup, has familiarity with playing the four and five, depending on how small you want to go. That's a good so point. they, they I, I think they, to me, they were arguably probably the biggest winners of the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely, uh, 
that's a team that was already in win now mode. And now they went into arguably contend now mode. They're similar to the Utah jazz and that they uh, are going to have a lot of shooting and just a, a deep team, even if they don't have uh, LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard, who are obviously, you know, at the top of everyone's list as scary people in the West. So the Orlando magic pretty much like blew it up today. And this one really confused me. Actually, Evan Fournier for two second round picks. I feel like you could have gotten a lot more if, if you're Orlando, what are your thoughts on that one? I mean, to, to Boston, it, it, by the it, way, it's, it's, hey, going to the Celtics, I mean, that's a, that's a tough, that was, that's a tough, that's a tough trade for me to evaluate on, on, on both sides. Like Evan Fournier is on the last year of his deal. So he's a free agent going into you know next offseason you you get what you can for him but if I, I i question this move a lot for for danny Ainge and the boston celtics and the reason why i question the move is because you already got Jalen brown in the mix you already have jason tatum in the mix granted i understand that the health of kimball walker is, is a concern right now in boston he's not able to play back-to-backs they're managing his minutes and workload but i just don't know how you find the amount of shots for guys like Fournier, Tatum, and Brown while they're out there together to keep all three of those guys happy. And I'm interested to see how Evan Fournier responds to coming off the bench because I believe, based on the way that this team is assembled, that that's more than likely where he's going to be asked to be a contributor to at this current moment in time for Boston. I actually think that they might start him at the two, slide Brown up to the three, and Tatum up to the four. You could do that. You could you could do that. That's a that's a possibility. But my my thing still is like, how do you find enough shots for all of those guys? Right, right. How how do you do it? And then you still haven't solved your your rebounding issues when it comes to getting your your five man and your four like in the front court area. That's always been Boston's biggest issue. Is in the front court. So, like, granted, you did get a, 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 a wing that can score, a wing that should have major injury occur to Brown or Tatum, has your back, and can be a reliable veteran that can get his own bucket. But I just – I I don't know what direction Boston's going in. I'm, I'm very concerned because I knew that they needed to make a move during the deadline considering where they are in the Eastern Conference standings. But I, I thought they needed to make a bigger splash in this. And when they had, you know, you got guys like Aaron Gordon available. I thought that he would have been a, a perfect fit in Boston. A better fit than Evan Fournier, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And it looked like something might be unfolding uh, with that. But obviously that did not come to fruition. Uh, let's get into some of these other ones now. This isn't any headline uh, breaker here. Not a, not a huge one. But Miami gets a nice stretch forward in Bielisa for Mo Harkless and Chris Silva. Uh, nice little move for Miami. I don't think it does too much for the Kings, frankly. It, it, I think that's not a bad pickup at all for, for Miami when you consider the fact that they haven't been able to get the production out the three-point shooters that they had last year, such as Duncan Robinson and Tyler Harrow. Something you know about Bielika. He's always going to be a guy that shoots at least 35% or better from three. A guy that's very capable of making his happen off the pick and pops and whatnot. Uh, another battle-tested vet 
Miami was another team, in my opinion, that got better today. Much better. Yeah, much better. Uh, should we get into why? <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah, what a huge, perfect fit. Uh, you know, the team whose greatest player ever was Dwayne Wade kind of gets a poor man's Dwayne Wade in Victor Oladipo. And I cannot wait to see Oladipo and Butler on the same team together. Uh, Miami getting Victor Oladipo in for not very much. They got rid of uh, Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and a 2022 pick swap, according to Jonathan uh, Fagan of the Houston Chronicle. Yeah, I mean, Oladipo got his wish. He was trying to get to Miami, according to reports, you know, the league was down in a bubble in Orlando and he finally got his opportunity. And I think that this is going to be a real exciting duo, him and Butler. One thing, you know, they're going to go, they're going to get after defense. Yeah. They're definitely going to get after defensively. I think they added another playmaker, mm-hmm. you know, besides Goran Dragic, who like Oladipo, he's not just a guy that knows how to play off the ball. He can play on the ball. And I think you're going to see a guy that's very rejuvenated and excited from an energy perspective to get going and have a shot and helping Miami get back atop of the Eastern conference playoff picture and potentially making a run. Because one thing we know about Miami heat teams, especially, you know, under the guidance of Eric Spoelstra, they always going to come out to play hard. They always going to be a tough out. And I think after the way that they got off to a slow start this season, they had to make a move as well. And they, they definitely responded in, in, in good fashion. Granted, they didn't get the big name that everybody thought they would, but to be able to get a, a former all-star who's still capable of getting like 17 and five a night. I think that's very uh, excellent on their part. I agree with that. And they didn't lose Tyler hero. They didn't lose Duncan Robinson. They didn't have to break anything. Uh, and they got a lot better. And honestly, I'm kind of looking at this squad and I'm envisioning a lineup of, you're going to have Hero at the point, Oladipo and Robinson on the wing, Jimmy Butler at the four, Bam Adebayo at the five. And all of a sudden you have five elite playmakers on the floor and some serious speed. Miami is going to have one of the best small ball lineups in the NBA. And they're going to cause a lot of matchup problems for some of these bigger teams and they're really going to be an interesting matchup now when you look at uh, who's at the top of the Eastern Conference right now. They're going to be quicker than the, uh, than the Sixers. And they're going to really challenge the Nets. The Nets getting these, you know, home run derbies, basically. You know, who's going to hit the most homers? Who's going to just put points on the board in a hurry? Well, the Heat got a bunch of scorers now. And unlike the nets just about all those guys are pretty good defenders as well and so the heat in my opinion get right back in the mix as far as being a legit contender to come out of the east with this move right now uh, because of the versatility it gives them when you look at that personnel uh, the fact that they didn't really have to break who they are and just a perfect fit when you add a guy who's going to be such a good perimeter defender, have that speed. And uh, now you got three of the better defenders in the league on one team between Oladipo, Jimmy Butler, 
and Bam Adebayo. And I was really shocked that Pat Riley didn't even have to give up a, a young player in Miami that you forgot to mention. And he's been just as vital a part to their success as Harrow and Robinson. And that's mm. Chicago's own Kendrick Nunn. I, yeah. I really thought, I really think over the last, you know, several weeks, he's been playing some pretty solid basketball. And you could pair him and Oladipo in the same backcourt where you have Oladipo running on one, and then you can have Kendrick playing off the ball at the two. And, and, and Robinson at the three and Butler at the four M at the five. So they, they have tremendous depth, specifically at the guard position and at the wing area that will really allow them to play some real big time basketball going down the home stretch of the season that shall make for an exciting watch on league pass. Who do you think is going to be that power forward for them right now? Or really, what do you think this starting lineup is going to look like for Miami? You know, that's that's a good question, man. I, I haven't really thought much about that. But right now, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking – I know none's been getting a lot of minutes. So I'm, I'm probably thinking none at the at the two, Oladipo at the one. Then you got uh, Robinson at the three. And then you have Butler at the four. And then you have Bam at the five. And I think you're going to see Harold off the bench a lot because he, he's been struggling lately. Mm-hmm. He's really been playing, you know, he's some rough basketball lately, like in a sophomore slump, if you will. And they got to find a way to get that guy going in a, in a six-man role, I think, before he really starts to find his own and elevates himself into that star status. I think with Oladipo, he's in a very interesting situation because he's on the last year's deal. He's in a situation where in Miami where he wants to be, and they want him and they need him in the effort to try and get back up the Eastern Conference playoff pitches I mentioned earlier. But with all that said, he got to play for a new contract. So it, he should already be motivated enough to have his game at a high level from the moment he arrives down in South Beach. Once he puts everything, you know, that's happened over the last 24 hours to the side and gets his headspace right so he could go back in to the heat locker room ready to work. I would agree with that. And it just seems like a great fit. So I think he will be there long-term. This is a nice move for Portland. Nothing too sexy, but Gary Trent and Rodney Hood to Toronto for Norman Powell. Basically you get a pretty reliable and I don't think people always realize how clutch Norman Powell is. That's a guy who has come up huge in the playoffs for Toronto before in recent years. And so this is a nice pick for Portland, a team that has struggled on the defensive side of the floor. And so now you have someone alongside Rocco who can also be another lockdown perimeter defender. Also be a lockdown perimeter defender. And he's also an effective cutter and a slasher to the rim. Yeah. And everywhere he's gone, he's been a winning player. What I like about him, he's not afraid to sacrifice and get after it. And Rocco has been playing some tremendous basketball over the month of over the month of March after struggling early on in Portland, shooting the ball at a real, you know, excellent clip, putting up numbers of like 13 and seven as of late. So I, I really like this move for Portland and what it gives them is a guy who can help spot Dame and CJ in various situations. Norm Powell, like you say, he's always been an underrated role player, glue guy level guy. And uh, with, when I, when I look at Portland's roster right now, they, they needed a player like that, especially when they struggled so much defensively. And they have such a tough time 
for some reason, I don't know what it is getting back, you know, after possessions in which they score, which leads to a lot of easy looks against their defense. Mm-hmm. If you have a guy like Norm Powell, a champion that's been there, done that, alongside of Rob Covington, you, it, it gives you two guys in a room that take defense very seriously. And I think, hopefully, rather, for, for Terry Stott's sake and his coaching staff, they'll be able to get to those guys and, and find a way to to curb that trend. Because if they can do that, then maybe they can make a run in the West a little bit and make some noise. Yeah. It's interesting because they're kind of in that same category now that CJ McCollum is healthy and he's been struggling a little bit. He's, he's still getting his legs back. Some of those pull up three is not looking so pretty, but he's still CJ McCollum. He still can give you 25 and a quarter if he gets hot, but it's interesting to see teams like the Nuggets and the Blazers both sure up some of their weaknesses at a time when the Lakers are looking weak and it's kind of turning into a bit of an arms race out west uh which leads me to our next trade and gave i thought this one was really interesting uh because now you got arguably the two most annoying players in the world on the same team together uh the los angeles clippers deal lou williams and get rajan rondo and so the clippers get another uh not as good defender as he used to be but as traditional as you can get as far as pass first uh, defensive mind and point guard and Rajon Rondo and the Hawks just double down on their, we will outscore you identity. What do you think for both of these teams? I, I kind of have a lot of questions about, it. you know, granted the Clippers did need a floor general who can get them into their offensive sets, specifically late down the stretch and Rondo can do that for them. However, the Hawks have a boatload of guards with, with Bogdan Bogdanovich and Trey Young leading the way. Mm-hmm. And to be, to add Lou Will into the mix, I, I just wonder where he fits in a little bit. And I, I look at it from the Clippers standpoint as well. It's like, okay, you got Rondo, but you gave up a six man who was one of the most potent scorers off your bench. And on nights in which, let's say, Paul George is struggling to find his shot, or Kawhi Leonard is struggling to find his rhythm from the floor. Right. He was a guy that kept them in a lot of games. And yeah. we saw this even before Kawhi and PG got there a couple years back when the Clippers were down by like 30 against Golden State in the first round in game two. And Lou Will saved the day with like 30 plus and led him to a victory in overtime alongside of Montrez Harrell, who was there at the time. So, I, I don't I don't know how to feel about it, but I do know this much. And with the Clippers, Tyron Lue will have to ensure that Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann are confident from the moment they arrive into the locker room ready to play 48-minute game each and every night because they will be counted on more heavily coming off of the bench to provide on the offensive end as well as the defensive end. I was going to say it and you beat me right to it. (laughs) Luke Kennard definitely is going to see more of those minutes. And somebody who I thought was going to have a much bigger impact, but maybe this means they trust him a little bit. And it also seems to say that they just weren't super comfortable 
with that point guard situation, you know, uh, one guy who didn't get moved today, but had been linked to anyone from the Nuggets to the Bulls to the Clippers uh, was Lonzo Ball. And so a lot of those teams that were looking for a pure point guard were, you know, thinking maybe they get Lonzo. This is a bit of a consolation prize, not exactly someone as exciting as Lonzo Ball, but definitely one of the highest IQs in the history of the NBA. And somebody who kind of fits that tough guy mentality, if you will, of the Los Angeles Clippers. They like being uh, the the grittier of the two. You know, they like uh, they'll they'll let the Lakers be that Hollywood team. Well, they branded themselves as that. Yeah. And but yet, in my opinion, they've yet to prove. Okay, and I with, like what with, you're with, saying with, here. With, with a guy like Rondo, who's been there and done that, I feel like they got a little bit of that back today. Now, his impact on the team, I think, would be very profound because if there's one thing I know about Rajon Rondo, he takes his job very seriously, not only on the court, but off the court when it comes to mentoring guys and showing guys how to be pros. So I think Terrence Mann and Luca learn a lot from him, and they definitely got a guy that they can rely upon as well once the home stretch of the season comes around which we're approaching now and they need to have those conversations about what's the playoffs like and so forth because my man's been in it this would be Luke Kennard's first time in the trenches so they're gonna need that Luke Kennard that we saw the other night when they came back from 20 down against the Atlanta Hawks who just couldn't miss from the field and was lighting it up and catching shoot situations as well as making things happen with his teammates yeah did not they're gonna need that guy yeah that's a good point. Uh, well, I think, you know, we've gotten through most of the big ones here. Here's uh, one last nice one. Uh, I like this move a lot for Dallas. It gives them some shooting. And J.J. Redick, honestly, is having the worst year of his career right now. But J.J. Redick and Nicolo Melli to Dallas for James Johnson and a 2021 second round pick what do you think about this one i like the move for dallas you know they get a veteran a guy that's a capable shooter when he has it going on a nightly basis and really is another one of those guys like similar to rondo who young players can rely upon to show them the ropes and rigors of the league if you will um yeah he's had a down year yeah, well, maybe that was think, a little harsh saying worst year of his career, but yeah, I mean he he he's had a, he's had a down year nonetheless, and a, a down year and a half because he's so used to being a guy that's always in the playoffs and he hasn't had that opportunity being in an environment like New Orleans, right. and now being in Dallas alongside of a young player like Luca, I mean JJ Reddick's been in a very fortunate position over the last several years. Like he was in Philly, he got a chance to play right beside Ben Simmons. Mm. And he was in L.A., he got a chance to play besides Chris Paul. When he was in New Orleans, he got a chance to play besides Lonzo and Zion. Now you're going with Luka Doncic, one of the top playmakers in the game, don't only know how to get his own bucket, but he knows how to create a setup for others. I I, I really like this opportunity for J.J., but I I still have questions about Dallas, man, and their defense and where do they go from this season moving forward. They have a lot of cap space to play with. 
and the free agency class won't be as deep as we all thought it would with so many guys from the likes of Giannis and LeBron signing off on large max extensions. Um, it, it's going to be tough for them to approve that roster, but I think getting the vet, that, that's something that they needed. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the, the playoff experience can't be appreciated enough for what's honestly a pretty unexperienced team. And you kind of look at what that lineup's going to look like in Dallas. And I, I think, you know, Richardson's still probably your starter, but you're going to have some, some serious depth. You're going to be able to match up the way you need to in, in Dallas. Uh, I'm just pulling up their uh, their lineup right now here. Looks like ESPN's actually got a bit of a glitch here. They're not showing uh, the center position. <laughs> but right now, yeah, it's, it's looking at Luka Doncic, Josh Richardson, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., and then uh, Josh Green, Tyler Bay at that power forward spot. And then you've got uh, Chris Stapps at the five. I mean – you throw in JJ and it's just one more great shooter. And uh, a lot of, this is another team that's going to be able to go small and have a lot of fun with that because Jalen Brunson is having the best year of his NBA career as well. He is, but, and now that you bring up their roster, it does make me wonder how does this work? Like granted you get a veteran and I know he's more than likely coming off the bench with the firepower that they have in the guard slots already. However, I just I, – I, I worry about the defense, man. I, I have a lot of questions and concerns about the defense and whether or not Porzingis is truly going to be there in the long term. Mm. I, I, I just do. And it's not because of his talent level. I think he's a very talented big man, and he showed that he's more than capable of being a, a top 15 player when he's playing at his best down in the bubble. But I've yet to see that consistently. And to me – Everybody always talks about Luca. Everybody looks at Luca, but to me, he's the biggest determinant as to how far the Mavericks go. Not just this year, but in the future, shall they decide to keep him after signing him to a max extension, you know, last summer. So I I I have a lot of questions about that team. I like what they're trying to do, but it's not working out as quickly as I know a lot of people thought that it would. I would agree with that, especially Chris Stapps Porzingis being the X factor. They need him to be a superstar, not just an all-star. And uh, right now the Mavs have definitely kind of turned it around after kind of a weird start. I think this does make them a little bit better, but shoot the West after today, I think you could make a case for, you know, the Jazz, the Suns, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Blazers, or the Mavericks, all to come out of the West. Obviously, some of those teams are more likely than others. I'm not saying will, but I'm saying you could make a case. You know, you, you look at the, obviously, the NCAA is a different animal, but sometimes, uh, well, you can look at the heat from last year, right? How hot are you going into the playoffs? Uh, how much chemistry have you cultivated when you're, heading into that late push and on paper the Mavs got better the Blazers got better the Nuggets got better 
I don't know if the Clippers necessarily got better, but I, I'm sure the Clippers think they got better. And so it's, it's very interesting looking out West. Uh, I think we've gone through all the big ones. I left off a, a few really small ones. You know, uh, George Hill is on the, on the Sixers now. Any, anything else you want to touch on? No, I mean, when, when I look at the West, you know, just to add to your point, Adam, it's about several teams that have a puncher's chance, I would say. But to me, out of all the teams you mentioned, and they didn't even make a move today, but I'm still, like, intrigued to watch them over the course of their next 25-plus games remaining, and that's the Phoenix Suns. Okay. What Chris Paul's managed to do with this franchise and ball club, I, I think this is his – best yet and we talk about guys who should be in the MVP conversation we've been talking about that a lot over the last month I can't understand for the life of me why this guy is not among the top four players at the least for five players that is that that's not in the consideration for the most valuable player what he's managed to do with this franchise granted they had a very impressive run down in the bubble Went undefeated. Almost got into the play-in game in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. To have them sitting number two in the Western Conference playoff picture right now, that that's very impressive. And I'm not saying that he's the only reason as to why. Granted, you got Devin Book over there, all-star. And Jay Crowder, a vet from Miami during last year's run, playing a tremendous part over there. Mike Cal Bridges is growing up. And Monty Williams is a tremendous coach. What Chris has been doing, I think more people need to talk about that. I would agree with that. Suns are a hell of a team to watch. I want to see them get, I, I want to see them be better in late games. That's my big co- concern. We with all them. do. You know, like they, they had a winnable game against the magic. I, I, ironically, Fournier no longer remember the magic who hit him with that game winner. Uh, but they're right, right, right there. Knocking on heaven's door. And, certainly could be a team that is able to continue to put it together down the stretch here. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't kind of count them out and looking ahead to the Western conference playoffs. I feel like it's going to be seven game series across the board in that first round. It very well could be depending on the matchups and how the bracket all plays out in the end. But it, it, it like, it always comes down to matchups out West just covering you know, Western Conference basketball the last several years. It's, those matchups can make or break. That's, that's absolutely true, my friend. Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of the Hoopstradamus podcast. This was the trade deadline special. As always, check out the Wax Cowboy on Instagram. That's our graphic designer, Evan Buttress. You can check out his work. Slide into his DMs if you're looking to get any of that done yourself. And, uh, you know, a pleasure bringing you our opinions today. Any final thoughts from you, Gabe? No, not at all. Always a pleasure to be on All right, guys. Happy hooping. We'll talk to you next time.